welcome to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. We will explore God's Word to learn how we can live by God's grace and for His glory. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Here's your host, Noah Hooper. Over the last couple of weeks, we have looked into how the birth of Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy throughout the Old Testament. From Genesis to Malachi, it is all pointing us to Him. Today we're going to look into Luke 1 verses 26 through 38. This time the Messiah's coming is not looked at as far off, but incredibly near. In this passage, we see a Gabriel announcing Jesus' birth to Mary. Now obviously we cannot cover everything in this passage in a few moments, but I hope that we will leave more amazed at the glory of Christ's condescension to earth. A few months earlier, Gabriel had come to Zacharias concerning the birth of John the Baptist. He would be the one to prepare the way for Jesus, fulfilling Isaiah 40. This time, though, it wasn't about one preparing the way, but the message was about the one for whom the way would be prepared. He comes with a message concerning the long-expected Jesus. So let's read verses 26 and 27 to begin. In verse 26, the Bible says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. This is an incredible starting point in this passage because it reminds us to whom Jesus came. He did not come to the great, but to the lowly. The greatest good comes to the town that was regarded as incapable of producing good, that is, Nazareth. And the highest message comes not to a king, but a virgin woman. Now we know that this was the fulfillment of prophecy, but in man's eyes, this was an insignificant place and an insignificant woman. But to this was the message of Christ come. This is not how we would have drawn it up, but this was the perfect fulfillment of God's plan for redeeming fallen sinners through Jesus Christ. So Gabriel comes to Mary, who's going to be married to Joseph. Now verses 28 through 33 reveal the message the angel brought to Mary. In verse 28 it says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The first words from Gabriel's lips to Mary's ears are this, You are favored. The Lord is with you. You are blessed among women. It is undeniable that the angel was not bringing a message of judgment, one of hope and peace. However, despite these words, it brought fear and trembling to Mary's heart. Verse 29 tells us that when Mary saw him, she was troubled at what he said. By the way, this is the normal reaction of anyone who saw an angel in God's word. We often picture angels as being these beautifully majestic beings, and no doubt they are. But seeing these majestic beings do not initially produce joy or peace, but fear. So Mary is frightened at the sight of Gabriel, but even more so, she wonders what this message is about that he brings. The phrase, and cast in her mind, means to consider thoroughly. Mary wondered 
why this angel had come to her and what the message he brought meant. So once again, Gabriel unveils a message of peace in verse 30. It says, The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. He simply says, Fear not. He has not yet told her what message he brought. He has not yet revealed that she would be the mothered, the mother of the word incarnate of God become flesh. He has not revealed yet what people would suspect because of what was going on. However, the message begins with an announcement that she does not need to fear. No matter what comes after this, the angel made known to her that she did not need to fear. Why? Because thou hast found favor with God. She did not need to fear because she had found favor with God. And how was this favor revealed? We see that in the next three verses and the crux of the message that Gabriel brought to her. In verse 31, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary had found favor with God in that, she was the chosen vessel through whom God would bring the Messiah, the Christ, into the world. This wasn't just a proclamation that Mary would have a child as it was to Zacharias and Elizabeth. But she was going to have the child, the one whom they had waited for for centuries. And she would be the vessel through whom God would use to bear the Son of God. And these three verses are the pinnacle of the message Gabriel brought to Mary. She would have a son and his name would be Jesus. No greater word has ever echoed from the human tongue or any tongue than the word Jesus. There is no better name than his name. There is no higher name than his name. And wrapped up in his name is the promise that he would be the Savior. Because Jesus means Jehovah is salvation and salvation is not merely an idea. It is a person. It is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. So Gabriel says he's going to be the Savior, but not all. He's going to be king. The promise God made to David in 2 Samuel 7 that his throne would have no end is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He will reign over Israel forever. So Gabriel proclaims to Mary that she will have a child and that this child will be both Savior and King. He will both redeem and reign. This is none other than the Messiah that they had been waiting for so long. This is God incarnate. This is the grace personified. This is the word made flesh. However, there is a biological conundrum. Mary is a virgin. She cannot have a child yet because she is not yet married to Joseph. That is why she asks Gabriel this in verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Mary after hearing that she's going to bear a child as a virgin, 
She asked Gabriel, how is this possible? It is biologically impossible, but God would do the biologically impossible to bring the Savior into the world. This child would not just be another baby, but it would be the Son of God. The Son of God was made flesh through the work of the Spirit in Mary. He would not come into this world through the natural way in which every other human being has come into the world, but this would be divine. Only God could bring this miraculous event to pass. Now, there are many things that could and must be said about this passage, but we do not have time for today. But to put it simply, this promise and that the Holy Ghost would come upon her is just revealing that the birth of Jesus was not like any other birth. But he came to this world through Mary by the power of the highest. So the angel comes and he says, you're going to have a child even though you've never known a man. Oh, and by the way, this child is going to be the son of God made flesh. Oh, and you're going to conceive this child by the work of the spirit. This is incredible. This is miraculous. This is impossible. However, I love how God works in this. What happened with Zacharias and Elizabeth months before was a reminder to Mary that God does the impossible. Gabriel reminds her that her cousin Elizabeth is having a child in her old age and that because of this, it is a reminder that nothing is impossible with God. Only God could give an old woman a child and only God could give a woman who was a virgin a child. This announcement to Mary reminds us that the child would be like no other child before. This wasn't an ordinary event because this baby would be the most extraordinary child ever. He would save men from their sin. Now notice in verse 38, the response of Mary. It says, And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Don't get so caught up in the familiarity of this account that you miss what just happen in a brief period the normal life of a girl just waiting to be married was all turned around an angel comes that's big gabriel tells her she will have a son even though it is biologically impossible that is even bigger the spirit of god would overshadow her to produce this child, thus fulfilling the promise of Isaiah 7, 14. And even greater than all this, the child she would bear would be the Savior and King. That is the message that Mary just heard. And then verse 38 is her response. Isn't that incredible? Wrapped up in these impossible declarations is the promise that the Lord was with her. Think about what she just heard. Think about what she would likely and I'm sure did endure through her pregnancy, the shameful looks she noticed, the verbal attacks possibly of friends and family. Can you imagine what she was going to face? It is almost unfathomable. But the promise of Gabriel is, Mary, the Lord is with you. This seeming inconvenience would change the course of history. The Savior was coming, and the Spirit would use Mary to bring the one, this one into the world who would redeem fallen sinners. And Mary believes it to be true and submits. Here's essentially Mary's response after all that Gabriel told her. I'm in. 
That's what she says. She describes herself as the handmaid of the Lord or the servant. She was fully surrendered to God. Thus, she was able to say, be it unto me according to thy word. She believed this is the plan of God. So let it happen to me. And I'd like to make a practical point here because of her response. Obviously, this passage is primarily and preeminently about the birth of Jesus Christ. However, I believe there's an an important truth to draw out from Mary's response. You can wholeheartedly embrace the sovereign plan of God, no matter how inconvenient or difficult or hard it may be, when you are already fully surrendered to him. Mary heard the impossible announced to her and believed it and entered into it because she was surrendered to the Lord. May he give us this kind of faith as well, whatever plan he might bring about in our lives. So what a glorious passage this is. The Savior of the world did not come to a king, priest, or prophet, but to a virgin woman in the lowly town of Nazareth. He always comes to those whom society views as insignificant to to declare his glorious passage. And this passage is a beautiful reminder of the way God works. The Messiah's lineage was royal, but it was a seemingly forgotten line. He did not come to the rich, but the poor. He did not come to the strong, but the weak. Instead of sending the Messiah through the line of the most powerful monarch of the day, he chose a virgin woman in the lowly town of Nazareth. Through an impossible situation, the Savior would come into the world to redeem men from their sin. Through the weak, the powerful Redeemer would save sinners. Through the low, the Son of the Highest came. He did not do this because he had to, but he chose to. He always chooses the weak, insignificant, and poor instead of the strong, significant, and rich because through these vessels, his glory is best displayed. And how could this be even more true than in Jesus Christ? Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Taught by Grace podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I hope you will consider subscribing and leaving a review. And I hope that you will join me next week as we continue studying God's word to learn how to live by his grace and for his glory.